0: Up three. Up three. Up three. Holy smokes, we made it three episodes in already? Nice. I am super excited. I feel like episode three and up are really where we found our comfort zone, and Max, Matt, and Mikey really got into their characters' heads. If you play role-playing games, you know it takes a few gaming sessions before you really know who your characters are. It's not always all up to you to decide. They really take on a life of their own. Again, thank you for taking the time to listen to Knuckle Bones, and if you haven't done it yet, you know the deal. Give us those five juicy, juicy stars and write us a review. Or even better, tell your friends about us so they can do it. But seriously, that would be huge. Just make sure you do it right after this episode. Unless you're driving, then wait until you get wherever you're going. Have fun, and I will talk to you soon.
1: Previously on Knuckleballs.
0: After bearing witness to a meteor impact, Babitha, Liza, and Blep decided to make a little call to their coven, hoping to get some information. Unfortunately, Krejcina didn't have any valuable information. They were, after all, calling well after midnight. She did ask the group to call again tomorrow, a call that strangely went unanswered. On their final day en route to Madrigal, our heroes encountered another purple inky ether walking on the road, a dwarf. Interestingly, he walked past the group, through them, as if they didn't even exist. Upon arriving in Madrigal, they found the outer district, Dawn's Ma, almost entirely deserted. Aside from a few mysterious purple figures that flitter in and out of existence, that is. Liza opted to break into a familiar bar, the Slish and Slash, where they encountered its owner, Shevlin, who was drunk. He told of his wife, Yuliana, who fled the city in fear to Astervale. In fear, he told of the echoes. Echoes of the dead reclaiming their place in the world. And the quest continues now! colorblind I'm not very good with colors and as I was writing all of this thinking like these are purple figures these are like purple figures that are popping in and out of existence and then I realized I think I might have meant pink
2: (laughs) okay here's the fucking thing you guys he lives with a designer slash visual artist who has a master's degree in art history and visual culture. And as you may have picked up on a robust knowledge and uh, all around geekery for all things color. And (laughs) when he chose to make a world based on color, one would think he'd say, why this is because I want to engage my lovely wife and her interests. But instead it was to taunt her by the fact that he knows not what color is, nor gives any fucks about it. And he's going to make it a, a societal thing.
0: People associate completely things with
2: color. Remove all not power me, but that people. I have in my we don't discussion. have time for you to
1: actually answer this question, Nick. But it is a giant <laughs> logic step for me how someone who uh, perceives fewer colors would just also not know the word for the color that they are creating in their mind that has nothing to do with your eyes at all. I would. Ha- I think could be. Maybe I would have
3: confused. to say that well, purple to me is more menacing than pink, and more of a better, like, dark, mysterious color, personally.
0: I, I am basing this off of a color that I saw in real life. Okay. fuck? All right, do you guys want to play <laughs> D&D or what? Hell yeah. Let's, let's play some games. <sighs> Let's, let's get into it now. That's enough, that's enough bashing on my colorblindness, I think. Let's get back to the color-based world that I've created. Hey, let's, let's all collectively
1: bash on you for something else. <laughs> my, poor, my poor writing? Yeah.
0: <laughs> In the dark room of the Slish and Slash... Chevlin, the proprietor, stands and clumsily walks around the bar, where he thuds two mugs down and proceeds to fill them with some form of ale. Aye, it's the echoes, they're saying. Scared my family away, that's for sure. Haven't nearly seen a living soul all day. Reckon everyone's scared.
3: When was the last time you had a normal night? In the slash and slash,
4: well, I'd say last night was was
3: pretty normal. <coughs> so, let la- It was just this morning. So, in the last twenty four hours, there's been roaming of dead.
4: Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Yeah.
3: I don't think this is good, guys.
2: Pardon me, uh, 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 Shevlin, what makes you say that they're the dead? Is it merely their phantasmagorical form, or uh, is have, has there been something else? Babitha has a small little notebook that she has in her palm with a very tiny little pencil that she's also produced from... Uh, Tucked in her hat. Well,
4: well, hell, they're ghosts, ain't they? Look at them. (laughs) These ghosts, they got everybody scared. Hell, hell,
0: I'm scared, just not scared of ghosts so it can't touch you. (laughs) People get
3: scared, that's all.
0: Takes a big gulp uh, and slides a, a mug over to Liza again.
3: Liza's going to hand the mug of ale to Otis and say, Welcome to Don's Ma. This is the slish and slash. I suppose you're all
0: gonna wanna drink, huh?
2: Babitha has just loudly pulled a cork from a bottle with her mouth and says, Oh I'm good, thank you. <laughs>
4: God, I feel like I've
0: already got a whale in my head. I should probably switch over to some clean water anyways
4: <clears throat> well i've got
0: I've got the <clears throat> got the ales and the meads and all the you know normal
4: fixings that I'd have here. If you've been around Don's Ma long enough. you know what's what's available
1: Why yes of course, and thank you sir
2: Babitha, uh after she's taken a couple swigs... From the nondescript bottle, uh, puts the cork back in, and she's she's the bottle amongst her her many dangling vessels, um, and because she's noticed that this is probably our best opportunity to get information, and Shevlin is in no position to actually provide uh, rational. Uh, insight so i think that she is after finishing her drink starts rummaging uh she takes a couple pinches out of one bag puts some things into her palm she grabs another one of her small it looks like a cauldron but this one's clearly made out of clay she crumples up some leaves into it stirs it up and uh, approaches chevlin as he's preparing the drinks and says Pop some of this in some water with half a lemon, and you'll be feeling right as rain.
0: Uh, he, yeah, he'll take he'll take some of it and mix it up in a. He's got his own separate mug now that he just pours some water in and he'll mix it up and start sipping on it. He gives like this gross uh, face as he sips it. Uh, tastes like uh, tastes like arse.
2: Oh yes, well, thankfully it's not one of my potions that requires actual dung, but. Oh, it's definitely not one of the sweeter-tasting ones. Uh,
1: uh, a potion requires a what? Uh,
2: <laughs> that's,
1: that's
0: what I was thinking, too.
2: Don't trouble yourself with the matter of witches, dear one.
3: You've never heard of fecal transplant?
2: Oh, my. It's very big in the, the king's realms, uh, actually. Well, the nobility are all about those fecal transplants.
1: Yes, I mean... I can assure you that they are not.
0: As much as I hate to change the subject, he is licking his lips now, as you can tell that he's visibly starting to already feel a little bit better. I'm just curious, so... You're not scared of him?
3: The echoes? I'm fucking terrified. Oh, they're... Are you kidding me?
2: They're quite unnerving. I mean, BLEP doesn't seem too troubled with them. Uh, As she says this, everyone realizes that BLEP is actually walking into the room from from an adjacent room that no one really saw him leave and he's just kind of <laughs> casually looking around nods chirps a little something to Babitha who chuckles in response and uh, he comes over and takes a seat next to her
0: it's got the they got the whole city in an uproar and a tiff people screaming people trying to people trying to fight him off and make him leave but it's like every time you, every time you try to move them out, to hit them,
1: just go right through them. Now, excuse me, uh, sir. You refer to them as an echo. And these uh, uh, apparitions take the forms of people that you know? People that you recognize?
3: Hmm.
0: Nobody I recognize, I've seen. Interesting. Well, I have been trying to avoid them at all costs. Like I said, hell, I'm scared.
3: It might be worth it to us to get going. I appreciate your candor, Shevlin, but I I do think that there are people who may have more information. No offense, I, I just truly believe you know nothing.
1: <laughs> Master Shevlin, have you... Uh, or made it any farther, deeper into the city, in in this uh, the last day or so, or have you been holed up here? No, no, it's chaos up there.
0: And trying to avoid, trying to avoid any, any people I can as long as I can, until you forced your way in. He he looks to Liza. Can I tell you what I think? Yes. What is it? He, he leans down on, on the bar and gets abnormally close to you, uncomfortably close to you I'm guessing the world got so evil the abyss is overflowing there ain't no more room down there
3: I mean, people have been evil forever
0: exactly
3: I mean, why now?
0: hmm don't know The occult and all that's not really my strong suit.
2: Now, surely, though, darling, there have been far, far more evil, vile people in the Kingdom of Madrigal than the amount of specters that we're seeing.
0: Hmm. Like I said, I don't pretend to be professional on the occult. Professional in superstition. Religion. It's not my suit. I can just tell you what I think.
3: I think your theory is quite logical. I mean, when it comes to evil and good, both have been around forever, and people are dying all the time. I I don't see any reason why the dead would not start to come back at any time. Why not now?
0: He looks to uh, Galtier and Babatha. If you can come up with a different idea, I'd
1: be happy to know what it is. I think um, Gontier just like literally turns and also looks at Babitha. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it is fully lost on me, good sir, but perchance one of these uh, uh, wonderful people here would understand some of these uh, uh, magical forces better than I. Now,
2: clearly these phantasms have something to do with these meteorites that have fallen, although I feel rather odd calling them meteorites to be entirely honest with you, considering the this one's gem-like state. Yes, yeah, so I think oh, if we could go to the other stones, and then we could and she has started kind of mumbling or at first it seems that she's mumbling and then you notice that again she has kind of fallen into her mode where she is clearly speaking to B'lep and Grong who is like Nodding along um, with his normally impassive gaze, and uh, kind of like working, clearly working it through with him. She's used to to always just kind of being with with Blef and doing this, so she's again unaware of what's going on. And then she kind of pulls out of it and goes, "Oh, <clears throat> right, well." Obviously, we need to get to the king, we need to get in touch with the coven, and then I think the next best thing to do is start go looking for these other rocks, seeing what else is going on. Yep, pip pip, that's what we'll do. Come along! And she gets up uh, very assertively, as if she really is just going to lead the squad out. Um, But she's clearly blissfully unaware of whether or not anyone is stirring to action behind her.
0: What do the rest of you do? Otis will kind of, like, like
1: stutter step for a second and look back at you guys and, and follow her. Yeah, I think Galtia finishes whatever drink he's got and is kind of shrugs his shoulders and heads out.
3: Liza is going to kinda nod like, okay, I'm gonna follow my uh my lead witch lady, but about halfway through the room, they're gonna turn around to Shevlin and just say Take care of yourself, please. He looks you straight in the eyes.
0: Liza Strovichel, the cellar's running dry.
3: I'll be back for more.
0: He downs downs his drink. And his anti-hangover uh, drink.
3: And <laughs> Liza's just going to turn around and just kind of sadly walk off. If you slam, following the group from behind, if you
1: slam an anti hangover drink, does you just like instantly become straight edge or like what are, are there rules for that? Like what? <laughs> I think you get an anti hangover hangover. <laughs> so sober it hurts.
2: So sober it hurts. The Brigham Young story. <laughs>
0: Sir Otis walks you through the city where you see more of the same. Closed windows and doors. At this time of night, no people. And even a few of these echoes. And in comparison to the first one that you saw that tried to attack Galtier, these ones, everyone that you've seen since then seems to pay absolutely no mind to you. Like, you don't exist. They're carrying on in whatever direction they're heading, whatever they may be doing they just don't pay attention to you and if you were to try to interact with them in any way they can't hear you and can't feel you if you try to swat them or anything like that they just carry on by themselves and it's definitely unnerving whether or not you're a brave
1: person or not you it's it's unsettled do they look like they're carrying uh, like like the business of normal everyday life? Like, are they doing like chores or are they just sort of ambling around? Yeah, it's it's more like
0: chores. Um, this time of night, you're not really getting a feel because there's not very many of them or anything like that. But when you were getting nearer to Madrigal, you had started to see, like you saw the dwarf on the road first. Um, and as you neared Madrigal, you would have seen more of them. And yeah, you get the feeling that they're just carrying on like normal life
2: and is it that they are clearly unaware of our presence or is it that they are clearly ignoring our presence
1: unaware I can't say I've ever seen uh, uh, creatures like these Or they, they appear to be doing things like normal people wouldn't y'all agree have you ever encountered spirits such as these
2: I mean certainly not while I was lucid, darling. I Otis, I'm really going concerned that we we need to we need to reach the king, I think, as soon as possible. God I wish I was dressed better. I'm so not prepared for, for the court. Oh god Oh no no, no don't fast. don't don't fast club. You you'll be fine. No, of course. The hat is great. It's it's great.
0: You you head up the main road, a continuation of the well-made road that you traveled through the mountains. And as you climb the gently sloping path, you can see the faint colors of the city in, in the night. There's the green of the bazaars just inside the wall, the yellows of the various neighborhoods, and often the distance, the blues of the industrial corner of the city. And finally, approaching it, the brilliant red of Castle Madrigal itself as you pass under the archway through the gate, and into the royal courtyard well-maintained shrubbery lines the path to the castle entrance with a large fountain on either side the figure of an armored man stands on the water surface of one and a woman in a flowing cloak with a large staff on the other side and you approach the door to the castle where a single guard stands watch otis approaches him first I've come from Cirfondol foothills. It is pertinent that I see King Ector immediately. Will you fetch him? The the guard kind of shifts on his feet and and well, well, sirs, ladies, that may prove difficult. He's been rather busy today. It's it's the echoes.
2: Babatha uh, uncovers from her bundle, her bindle that she's made with her cloak and just shows the giant red ribby in her arms and says I think this might take precedent my good man
0: his eyes get huge you know that he doesn't know what he's looking at but he knows that he's looking at something probably important
2: Now, just know I am very powerful, as is my friend over here, she gestures to blep. And if you speak of this (laughs) to anyone, I mean, sure, it's, you know, treason, all that, violating confidentiality. There are levels to this, of course, you understand. More significantly, though, you will be cursed. And you will break out in boils. And at first it won't seem that bad, because they're not in a place that people can see. And then you'll realize that it's not in a place that people can always see, but they can see it when it... They're
3: in your asshole, dear. Yes, there.
2: yes. So, oh, it's, um... Yeah, you'll get asshole boils if you tell anyone about this. Now to the king! Bip, bip.
0: He looks at Otis. Uh-huh. Come with me. And he turns and goes into this huge doorway into the castle, and you enter onto this this kind of antechamber that opens up on the rest of the castle, and there's uh, stairs that go up to the second and third floor, spiral staircases, and beautifully ornate carvings all over the place. Gold rugs line the floors and lead off into hallways going every which direction.
3: I just wanted to check, uh, would we know who these two figures are at the entrance of this door? Roll history.
0: Good question.
1: That is a total of 18. You guys can all roll on it um a history check
2: i rolled a one um babatha's potion is just starting to kick in and she while uh clearly was very uh, astute and tuned in and in the flow state and getting to her goal as you were exiting the slish and slash you can see that her step has changed a little bit and she's wobbling but she's still super focused. It's like her her eyes are like her her the intensity is still there, but her coordination is a little bit lacking. But she's hyper fixated in her goal and not paying attention to what's Galtier, going on
0: her. You, Galtier, you sort of grew up around these royal courts. You're you're familiar with the castle, generally speaking. You haven't really been admitted to. depths of the castle but you've been around the courtyards and around long enough to know a fair few of the people um you know that these statues are depictions of evora Lattimore and ewan Blythe, who were the first
1: king and queen of madrigal okay great and i presume so they're probably super famous figures to like citizens of madrigal right like the founding king and queen
0: yeah anybody who has like a base knowledge of nobility would know who they are and i think it's sort of taught in school like like we know george washington was the first president right like we know that you and blythe and lot latimore were the the first king and queen it just depends on your level of education how much more you know about them
1: okay um would are there any like are there particular traits about them that we would or that like, i guess we as broad would Gaultier know
0: Specifically regarding these statues, um, you know that he was a, not a warlord kind of person. Like he was, he was a decent fella, but he was in charge of of the armies here in Arbaleo before um, mankind really settled. And you know that he was a competent swordsman and a strategist. As far as Ivor Latimore goes, she's a little bit less known, but what people do know about her was that she was never seen without this staff. It was just something that she had, like a walking stick that she never parted with.
1: Interesting. Cool. Thank you for indulging my history questions. Yeah, of course. Okay.
0: The squire comes back, gets you guys, and leads you back down the hallway that he had gone down the first time and stops at a at a large door and he turns back towards you guys and he looks you up and down and he, he looks to Liza your your hair miss what about it would you mind terribly just straightening just a touch
3: do you really want to see this
0: very well he turns towards the door and he opens this big double door. He's terrified of you.
3: <laughs> as soon as he turns his back, I get my hair extremely short and very curly.
0: Okay. He opens these this very large ornate double door and steps in as he's pushing them open. And you guys come into this room that has this very fine gold carpet that leads in and up a small dais there's two steps that lead up to an ornate beautifully carved wooden chair there's two candelabras that burn in this room one on each side, they cast a, a faint light in the room it's it's fairly dim and sitting on this chair is a, is a hulk of a man a very tall man, he's not fat but he's a very big and built fella, he's got a thick rich beard and he wears a a red cloak with a poinsettia, a very elegant poinsettia on it.
1: Galtier, you know immediately that this is King Hector Blythe. I think Galtier for the first time, like strides confidently to the front of the group. And I want to head to whatever the like socially acceptable distances from the King immediately take a knee and say like, my leash, it is truly an honor.
2: Babitha still has that laser-focused look in her eyes, and follows suit. Walks up and immediately, albeit uh, a little bit clumsily, but thankfully she's so low to the ground and her center of gravity is such that her her stumble into her curtsy uh, is mostly masked by her flowing skirt. And she uh, dips her head down. And uh, Gaultier, if you. If you look over a little bit, you can see that there's a little bit of pink rising in her cheeks she's she's a little nervous and a little bit excited to be meeting the king
3: Liza is going to basically sorry
2: this is really important um how fuckable is the king
3: oh yeah what's up
1: what's up with them bones can we roll his bones
2: roll Come his on, bones baby
0: mayhap he was an attractive man in his prime um, he's a little bit older these days with grays streaking through his hairs and his his face is a bit a bit saggy he's he's an attractive older older gentleman.
2: How old is he
0: fifty
2: six okay so and what describe his his features again slowly
4: He has a sensual
0: full beard
2: what color is it
0: it's mostly brown with gray streaked in okay i don't like this at all <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> this is this is
0: the key I don't, I don't think anyone does i'm just <laughs> the the king is an att- the king is an attractive man he he gets his exercise he does his workouts he tries to keep himself in a healthy fit shape because he intends to rule a kingdom
2: you should know that blap has moved in stride with babatha and done a very formal completely appropriate uh, kneel and head bow as if it ain't no thing
3: Liza is going to follow in behind uh, Gaultier and basically do a extremely low bow, but not go to their knees. They're just going to say, my lord, I never thought this moment would happen. I am honored you would see me.
0: He gestures you all to rise. If you don't mind so much, please rise. This is unnecessary entirely.' I've had a busy day, and I hate to sound rude, but if we could get to business, I would greatly appreciate it. He sees Otis and is kind of surprised. "Fatherton, I thought you were headed up to Sirfendal. I was not expecting to see you today, or well, this week, for that matter." Otis puffs up his chest. Well, sir, it seems there was a bit of a problem. You see, we were ambushed by... Well, we were ambushed by goblins. There were dozens of them, as these four can attest here, and they were rather savage. There wasn't anything that we could do about it. And... You see him, he stops for a second and looks to the ground, and he takes a a really deep breath. My dear Tembo fell unfortunately. The goblins got the best of us. They they ambushed us and they struck us hard. They struck us from... He stops for a second. There was nothing we could do. The wagon was lost and, well, it gets far more complicated than that. He goes on in exquisite, remarkable detail, detailing everything that happened at the wagon uh, before he met you guys in a way that a a story that you guys didn't really get you know that that Timbo fell and he was kind of tight-lipped aside from that and now you're getting the full recount he goes on to describe everything that happened in the wagon he talks about how things smelled when they first realized that there was goblins coming he talks about the first thought that he had when his heart rate increased. He talks about the ground crunching beneath his feet as he ran away, things that people wouldn't pay attention to, but every single detail stuck in his mind. And you realize that though he was tight lipped about it with you guys, Tembo Artois was his best friend. This was a guy that did, they did everything together. And you can tell that it just, he's trying to tell this story to the king in a way that sounds professional, and you can see that he's, he's cracking up. You can hear his voice cracking, and you can see you can see his eyes start to water as he's talking about this. The king stops him. He puts his hand up. Well, Thathiton, unfortunately, I'm going to request that you stop with the tale now. I think I understand the gist of it, and I understand that this wasn't exactly an easy mission for you. Unfortunately, this mission was rather important, and it must be carried on. If you are well, I would see to it that you get your equipment and head back out in the morning. Again, I cannot emphasize how important your mission up to Sirfendal was. If you could do this for me... I will ensure to you that the family of Tembo Artois is well taken care of. Is this agreeable to you? Otis kind of looks at you guys and he's sort of confused. Yes, your highness, but what of this group? What of this, what of the shard? The king kind of waves him off and uh, emphasizes. As I've said, I can't emphasize enough how necessary your mission up to Sirfendal was. Unfortunately, I have no room for error on this one, and I have to entrust it to somebody who can ensure that it gets done. Otis looks at the ground for a second, clearly in defeat. Your Highness, if if I might, these four fought valiantly, and they fought strong, swift, and fierce. They are capable of the mission that... They are capable of finding these shards that fell from the sky, if you would entrust them with it. And he gestures to Galtier. Well, this one fights with a fury like I've never seen before. And look at him. He's dressed for the part as well. I cannot recommend this group enough. The king, the king gestures him off. That will be all, Thaderton. I appreciate the recommendation and I appreciate your time. Get your rest and head back out in the morning. It is of the utmost importance. Otis turns to you guys and he, he gives you a headshake a nod.
2: Babitha, as he turns to walk away, she takes a step forward and she grabs him and she puts a small little potion into his hand and closes closes his fingers around it and holds it. She looks steadily in his eyes and says, To help you sleep, I wish I could give you something for your pain, but well, unfortunately for grief, there really is only time. This will make the first
0: part of that a little easier. He smiles at you, and you can see you can see sadness in his eyes as he
1: smiles at you. Gautier will take a moment he'll take a moment, as Babith is doing that too, to just sort of like clap him on the upper arm and, um, you know, try to like look him deep in the eye whether he's kind of having that or not, and I knew the Ottawa family just a little bit, and well, the uh, kingdom is a little bit duller today for his having passed. I'm very sorry, my friend. Aye, a true word has never been
0: spoken. Our paths will cross again, D'Jamo. I'm sure of it. Be an absolute pleasure. And
2: and you, Liza. Goodbye. You too. lep stares intensely at him as he goes, making no noise, but just slowly following him with his gaze until he's out of sight. Uh,
1: my liege, if I may uh, speak uh, after uh, Sir Fatherton here, I, we would be more than happy to carry out any task uh, pertaining to this meaty all right or any other uh, th- royal business of the court that you need then you can consider
0: yourselves hereby conscripted. You will find these shards, as it sounds that they may have some significance to these echoes that have appeared in Madrigal recently. Go to Crescia, where the closest fragment seems to have landed, or somewhere thereabouts. Find it and retrieve it. I would beg you, learn what you can and return to me and by the time you return, I will have passed word on to Delane and the Merklands in search of the others. My lord. Disagreeable.
2: Quite agreeable. I... I only ask if perhaps you could outfit us with horses and perhaps some provisions, only because we are going to have to make quite haste if we're going to meet any opportunistic bandits.
0: He gestures with his right hand he kind of points um he gestures kind of behind his chair and in the shadows behind his chair you see a silhouette that you didn't notice before and you just see kind of a a nod that comes from it and it's the faintest move of a figure that you hadn't seen and he says, All of your needs shall be met. You are hereby conscripted, as I've said, and, well, I equipped all of mine with the very best. Rest assured.
2: You are most gracious, it will your be Majesty. It would be
0: both a pleasure and an honor to serve you, my king. He's sitting in his chair, and this figure that you now notice behind him steps forward, and you see a very pale skinned half elf and he's wrapped in this cloak that's made of the biggest blackest feathers that you've ever seen and they wrap completely around him and he leans in uh, behind the king's chair into the king's ear and whispers very quietly it's it's a little bit off-putting and then he steps back
3: can liza do a perception check yeah sure The
0: 12 um yeah it's it's tough to see you're you're in this room that's only lit by these two candelabras and he was he's in the shadows stepping forward but as he leans forward you you can see the line of a scar that goes down his eye down his chin and down towards his neck you see that this this person has one completely white eye The king looks to Galtier. Dejamo, I would recognize your sigil if it weren't pointed out to me. Let me ask you: Why have you not yet taken your oath? Is it some form of resistance to responsibility?
1: Uh, well, uh, no, your Majesty. I, well, I, well you see, I. I... I was involved in a a campaign down in the Merklands. And then I went uh, on on survey in in the mountains and and then uh, a brief safari. And of course, of course, we traveled the seas for a number of years. You see, I've been uh, uh, rather occupied. As you well know, the
0: defensive tactics used by your brother Manfred and Eckhart during the Drow uprising will be taught by scholars for generations. I would see all in your family make a name for themselves, including yourself. It would be merely a formality at this point. You would not need to climb the ranks as many would
1: Well your, your words are uh, very kind, Your Majesty, and uh Well, I, I, I suppose that if that is um, if, if that is the will of the king, absolutely, I would I would be more than honored. Upon your return from
0: Crescia, plan on taking your oath, if you would. I would not have a mere knight out carrying out such an important task when I could have an oath knight on the duty now. M- M- very well, your master. Your name carries weight. Do not forget. He looks at the, the other three. Check with Mayor Sherrington when you reach Crescia. Crisha isn't exactly on great terms, but if you come in the name of Magical, they will provide the aid that you need. I will as well provide a writ of passage, and you shall be granted anything you should desire.
3: My lord, if, if I may speak, not freely, but openly? You may of course speak
0: freely, you are on a very important mission.
3: Thank you, my lord. The connection that we have between the gem and the echoes cannot be ignored. I, I do not think that this is something that should be waved away. Is there any sort of wizard or arcane researcher that we can perhaps speak with? We are the only people who have first-hand knowledge of from what I gather, the first sighting of Echo in the country.
0: Well, because you have the most information of anybody currently, I would insist that you possess this gem for the time being. We will look into it with all haste and with with no expense trying to find information regarding this. But I do believe that it's safest in your hands, being as you have the most experience with it, and should anybody come looking for it? Well, I would love to have plausible deniability be able to say I don't know where it is, frankly.
2: Your benevolence is both weird and welcome, your highness.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The stories they tell about you being fair are... 99% true.
0: (laughs) I should hope that after you work for me for just a bit, you should reevaluate that and call it at 100%.
2: Well, if we're talking about appearances, dear, you're already a 100% fan.
3: Oh my God. Liza immediately just heel turns and fucking walks out. Just so annoyed at how horny everyone is. Because Gaultier was hitting on the barmaid, Babatha is hitting on Otis, and now the king. It's so. This is just like oh, I'm the bard, and I'm not horny. This doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, having desire for another person isn't uh, exclusive to a profession.
3: You don't yes. get to keep the gate on my loins. Do you really want to be naked in bed with another human being when there are ghosts roaming around? Do you really want to feel a cold breeze wash over your, your, your sweaty back? I would, you... I would
0: implore you to continue this conversation outside of my presence. However, we are not as of now done. I do have one request of you. Speak to nobody about these gems. This information should be contained to those who absolutely need to know.
2: Oh, I absolutely agree. I obviously did tell your footman about it, but I also let him know that he will be cursed if he talks about it with anal boils. So I think... He's good. If you're worried about him being trustworthy, I mean, I could actually work up something, but it would take me a bit of time, and I just, I'd just i rather get on the that road. It won't be necessary. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I didn't think so. But, you know, always an option. If you get suspicious, I'll give him butt-boils. Just for you. You say the word. Quincy,
0: Quincy himself is a rather trustworthy fellow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too concerned. I'll speak with him on the matter.
2: Great. Well, then, I think we're all settled. No one else is <clears> in the gym. Well... No one else. is still alive. He
0: he raises his he raises his hand one more time.
2: Oh and wait! The... Actually, I'm so Ugh, your highness. I'm so sorry to interrupt. It's so, cause <laughs> uh, you you just have such a lovely speaking voice. I get oh um, excuse this me. What I
0: figure in the shadows steps forward. Um, immediately making you fall into silence. And he steps up to the side of the king this time, not necessarily addressing him. Corvin, I should ask, what say you regarding this particular matter? And you guys see on this guy's uh, face is an absolute lack of expression. As he starts to speak, it's very matter of fact. Many thoughts have come to me this day, as you know, my grace. Our world exists in a delicate balance. Peace has war, love has hate, as I've told you previously. Sword, shield, as he points to Galtier. Magics, and mundane, as he points to Liza, BLEP, and Babitha. Yet this balance goes further yet, whether you realize it or not. Mr. what happens when you pluck a string on your lute? Music. An interesting response. You see the peaks and troughs of the wavelengths create a tone in your ear that you find either pleasing or distressing. And when you play a chord on your lute, the multiple notes must act in resonance with each other. And when a single note is off, even slightly a strove chill.
3: I just, what I do is I, I learned from a a prince bard a couple years ago to later in the song, misplay that note again, and then everyone thinks that was on purpose because then it's, it's part of the song now that I misplayed it so it's 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 a pattern you know it's not random it's a pattern it wasn't a mistake it was on purpose you know like i'm hustling out here i got to be honest i'm hustling in in <laughs> in in these bars in these taverns i i don't know what you want from me how do you know my name what i was truly hoping
0: to elicit from you is the need for resonance when one of these notes is even slightly off you get dissonance. I was hoping for a more scientific response from you as somebody who studies the arts. You see, uh, harmony is pattern, it is simplicity. Music, harmony is delicate, ever so delicate. An act of intentionally making use of wavelengths that have proportionally relative intervals, a scientific perspective. The echoes, they could be visages of the dead coming to reclaim the world of the living, as the masses seem to believe. I know not what they are, and I will not pretend. But I fear the issue will grow far worse before it gets better. Chaos is wont to do long days and pleasant nights may you remain in the light and he steps back into the shadow
3: that dude just ripped apart my entire style
2: i would argue that dissident music is still music so your your answer was still quite factual um well, though is he arguing that it is resonance that makes music because there's a whole. Perhaps,
1: perhaps we should have this conversation uh, over some drinks or something of oh, the matter. You
2: know how much I. Love, I agree. I absolutely love having a drink with Liza and talking about fantasy jazz. Yes, let's do it.
1: I think. I think Altieri is going to try to, kind of like politely back us out of the room because it seems like we're hitting the like overstaying your welcome portion of the conversation as we are want to do um he's gonna do that he's gonna literally just like put his arms out and push them back a little bit and sort of slowly walk backward and being like now my liege again it was the greatest pleasure thank you so much my highness and M- master corbin as well thank you uh may you always uh live in the light uh, thank again a pleasure
3: as Liza walks out we are just going to i'm going to make eye contact with the the guard that we threatened and who told me like to change my hair and i'm just going to like wink at him nice cuz it's like what up
0: as you guys step out um you start to walk away and the door opens and closes again behind you and now kind of in a more well lit hallway you see Corvin And he stands in his um, sleek, black-feathered cloak. The king has instructed
1: me to escort you to the armory. Uh, Yes, of course, Master Corbin. Please uh, lead the way. He leads you guys down this elegant hallway
0: with these reliefs and paintings oil paintings on the walls of, of any sort of scene you can imagine. Some of them are feast halls. Some of them are battle scenes. Um, all are masterpieces of artwork. And he stops at a door and opens it up on a solid brick room with tables and rows of beautiful and ornate, fine-crafted weapons of all sorts. Anything that you can possibly imagine. It's a massive room. There's shelves of swords, shelves of spears, racks and racks of shields of different armors. And on on one wall, Babatha and Liza, you see that there is racks of potions.
2: Buff and Babitha quickly and cartoonishly turn their heads to each other, make eye contact, and in tandem, bolt towards the potions.
0: We will find out what they are next time on Knuckle Bones. Doodly, 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 woo.
4: Bow, bow, bow. Uh, oh, I like that one. Yeah, that was good. Wah. You for scrying in this evening. I am, as you know, Alden O'Shaughnessy for Scrynet. it. news this evening as the worsening conditions in the Ashwood continue to drive wildlife from the safety of the forests from their homes. The great tree in which I grew up resides deep within the Ash Forest, so believe me when I say this is a story I will be reporting on until the very end. Reports are mounting that as the Ashwood continues to wither, the creatures seen exiting the wood are becoming more bold. The Bone-Eater Orc Clan claims they were driven from the northwestern edges of the wood, fearing for their very lives. Allow me to repeat myself. Bone-Eater Orcs fear for their lives. King Hector of Madrigal has reportedly responded to Delaine's Regent Harkness request for aid, by sending all available Crimson Oath Knights to address the threat to the free cities of the North. More information as it becomes available. Be sure to scry in tomorrow evening at dusk as I interview Sir Quinn the Wolf, who is the General Defensive Coordinator of the Oath Knights. Scrynet thanks you for your continued contributions to the network. I am Alden O'Shaughnessy, good night. Hey
1: man, you always bouncing. You bouncing? Crush bouncing, crunch be bouncing, crunch be bouncing, crunch be
2: bouncing. Sorry,
3: Michael, what were hella
2: you doing? Hella money, to say? hella drugs, hella money, hella drugs. What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I got something to do it with. I bet you Wait, didn't... what did you mean?
0: I meant like releasing things that people might enjoy listening to. Oh, Sam said all
1: about the release.
3: Matt was talking about his feet only fans.
1: It's, hey be civil it's an only feat sorry my bad you You can find me at Bunyan night 69 i gotta turn your guys's fucking faces off it's my favorite thing anyone's ever said